It's time for a new revolution in your sports parenting, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, and heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to get your child into golf, help them play competitively, or have them play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent or child who plays golf and wants to build a better team at home and on the course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm your host Travis Hauser. I'm a PGA professional and coach golf in the United States and most recently in Shanghai, China, coaching all levels of golfers with a primary focus on junior golf. I'm the father of two young boys and in the process of raising golfers as a parent myself. I've had many unanswered questions raising golfers as a coach and parent and know we all have a long journey ahead. Those questions sparked my interest to start the Raising Golfers podcast. Today on the show, we have Matt Reagan, a PGA professional based in North Carolina. He is the co-founder and CEO of Operation 36. It's giving them a chance or an experience that day to shoot par potentially, or have a par, or have a birdie. Their unique program gets golfers on the golf course from lesson number one. Instead of starting from the full tee box, you'll begin in their first division. This means you will play nine holes starting just 25 yards from each green. Your challenge is to shoot 36. If you shoot par, 36 or better, you will progress to the next division and start 50 yards from each green your next round. All progress is tracked in the Operation 36 mobile app. And the challenge is for you to continue to shoot par 36 from all 10 of their divisions. Operation 36 does a lot of parent education and we will discuss how you can help support your children both on and off the golf course. All right, Matt, welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how it led to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I guess probably the, the best way to start would be, I mean, I started playing golf a little late, uh, was invited to play on the high school team after I didn't really want to run track and field in high school. Uh, I was just kind of did that as a third sport to stay busy. And um, my gym teacher at the time said, hey, why don't you try out uh, playing golf? So I was 16, just got my license and you got free golf and a little uh, little nine hole course in our uh, rural town in upstate New York. And just fell in love and uh, played golf all the time. Uh, first round, I shot a 72 for nine holes and played in a golf match, which was interesting. Uh, they, <laughs> I was supposed to go play. I was supposed to uh, just practice, but they only had three of our players show up and you needed four to play in, a, in the high school event. So I played golf for the first time um, in a high school event. So that's something interesting. And uh, because of the double par rule, shot 72, I raked it all over the golf course. Uh, pretty embarrassing. Uh, and then, you know, from there, just fell in love with it, played almost every day, probably for two years and uh, got good enough to figure out that I, I you know, uh, I just love golf and, and knew I wanted to pursue a career in that. So that led me to exploring uh, Campbell University's PGA golf management program. And I was just good enough, you know, I could break even par for nine holes um, within two years, which was great. And it felt, gave me enough confidence to say, you know, I'm going to apply and try to pursue this career to become a PGA professional. And that led me to Campbell. And, uh, after, 
Uh, I got to Campbell, ended up meeting one of uh, the assistant director of the golf management program there. His name was Ryan Daly. And his role was to help place us on internships. And he was uh, just a great mentor, leader, coach, uh, teacher at Campbell. And uh, he also taught some of the courses there and was really interested in teaching instruction to us as students. And so I let him know right away. I wanted, I knew I wanted to get into coaching and wanted to find internships where I could coach and uh, ended up doing three internships where I could do that and um, fell in love with really coaching juniors on the internship. But I also saw that, you know, a lot of opportunity and how we could improve how we introduce juniors and progress them and uh, came back and little did I, uh, I'm for my third internship and little did I know uh, Ryan uh, was getting ready or gearing up to start a junior program at the local facility there at Keith Hills. And um, I let him know that, you know, when I graduate, I want to find somewhere where I can start my own academy. Uh, I still had a year and a half left at school. And he asked if I wanted to kind of team up with him to launch the junior program there. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Are you familiar with like uh, Titleist Performance Institute, Travis? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we both said, Hey, you know, let's go get uh, TPI junior certified and see if we can apply some of this LTAD stuff. Uh, that stuff was really interesting uh, to us. And this is about 2010. And uh, from there, we actually uh, kicked off a program. We studied for like six months and prepped and launched a program in March, I believe 2010 uh, and got three kids to sign up and commit to coming once a week for eight months out of the year. So more of a, that was kind of the basic concept was like, maybe if we got them to the golf course, we could uh, make them better at golf if they came once a week for the whole year. And then once we got three kids to sign up, we're like, oh crap, what do we do every day with them for, you know, for an hour <laughs> for eight months out of the year. Uh, but that's, that's how Ryan and I connected and it just started as our own academy. And, and then that progressed into, you know, over the next two to three years, we grew to 80 juniors in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, North Carolina, coming once a week for eight months out of the year. And uh, we developed a six level curriculum because we wanted to be able to have, kind of organize our education and make it fun for golfers to learn. And we studied gamification and we studied how do you play games and how much do you teach someone during a class versus develop their skills during the class? How do you show and organize progression to parents? Um, and little by little over time, it's, it just kept growing. And at that time it was called iGrow Golf Programs. And uh, we started to have coaches reach out to us and say, hey, you know, could we leverage some of this stuff you're doing? We had you know, that six level curriculum, which we still have today. It's got a bag tag and there's badges that the kids earn on the back to show their progression. Um, and they wanted to use some of those concepts. And, and we felt like we were really on cloud nine, really. We were the youth leaders, uh, junior golf development leaders for the Carolina section for two years in a row. And um uh, everything was going great until uh, year four when we ended up losing half of our golfers from the program and they didn't show back up again. Um, and this led us down a path to say, you know, what, what do we, why did they all leave and how are we going to fix this? Because, you know, we just invested, you know, the way we looked at it, we invested three years of our lives with these kids and then they ended up leaving the sport. Well, our program really doesn't work at the end of the day. Right. So that that led us down to a path to call every family, unfortunately, and uh, say, why, you know, why aren't you coming back? Why aren't you coming back? And there was a very common theme amongst that. And the theme really was that, you know, we, you, we've been in your program. We come to your classes every week. 
but at some point, like they just aren't really connected. And, uh, you know, we took them out on the golf course and they really couldn't play golf. You know, they didn't look like golfers. Right. And that was a, is that simple? It was a really, really eye opening moment for us, you know, because I don't think you'll ever find, and potentially there is some out there, you know, three pros that, or two pros that are trying to put together a program for kids. It's long term, work with the same kids for three years. They look like golfers when they're on the, driving range and we're playing all these games and having a bunch of fun they're they're showing us a lot of the progression right um that we're seeing them go through uh our our curriculum and everything and and then nothing is actually turning them into a golfer so to speak at the end of the day and the main component we were missing was our uh getting golfers on the golf course but we avoided it (laughs) just like as much as we could because of uh, all of the, all of the other barriers there were to get beginners and juniors on the golf course. I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, what I'm talking about, Travis, of trying to get, you know, trying to get a beginner on the golf course. Does that sound exciting to you? Uh, well, you know, I, I can definitely relate. And, you know, I had this issue in the States when I was coaching in California and even more so when coaching in China where golf courses are quite scarce and most of the golf courses are 18 holes and they have tee times booked from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. in the afternoon and they only allow 18 hole course play. So, yeah, I, I can understand some of those barriers. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and so we were, you know, we, we started to try to look at that and go, why are we avoiding getting golfers on the course? And so we spent a whole year trying to come up with a concept to, to get folks playing golf. Um and to integrate playing golf into the program, because, you know, it's, you know, looking back on it now, it sounds a little ridiculous that we even had a program where all you did was come to classes every week and not play golf, but where every other sport is more around coming to the baseball game, coming to the soccer game. And, oh yeah, we have practices, right? <laughs> so, right. you know, which, uh, so it's just backwards in golf. Uh, and now we, you know, after about a year of trying every format we could imagine from measuring the carry distance of someone and putting in uh, forward tees uh, at the course to uh, playing uh, scramble events and everything. And, you know, one day Ryan and I said, you know, what is the end goal of our program? What are we trying to do? And we both said, you know, when we felt really confident in playing golf, it was when we could shoot 36 or better for nine holes from the full tee box. Like that was, we felt super confident there. And uh, we're like, well, what if we redesigned a way to get someone to do that? And, you know, we both joked, we were, we we're actually going down the road to train a coach to run the program, Maggie Simons, at, uh, she was going to be our first licensed coach. And on our way down there, we came up with this concept, just joking around and saying, I bet if we put everybody on the putting green, uh, all of our players, they couldn't shoot par from there if they played all nine holes. It's and, so true. Yeah. And, you know, kind of at that time we were kind of frustrated, right? We just lost 40 of our golfers and and we were kind of, you know, joking around and we like looked at each other. We're like, we need to try that because we were trying to get people to play golf at the course. And we, we just put in the forward tees and we were doing the forward tees and it was still taking three hours to play nine holes. And we were running all those problems that you said, like no one wanted us on the golf course because of how long it was taking us to play. We could, it was hard to find tee times because we needed extra room because it was taking so long to play. The kids felt defeated. Uh, and so as, as we progressed, uh, we went out, we tried playing nine holes from 25 yards away. Uh, we got all 30 golfers together that we were teeing off that day instead of doing our usual three-hour round. 
And uh, the golfers, we told them what the goal was. Hey, your goal is to try to shoot 36 or nine holes. We're going to, instead of starting them on the putt green, we had them do a chip shot off the front. And uh, we didn't know how it was going to go, but we knew we were onto something when, you know, the first group came off and the kids were running up and the one kid was stoked because he shot better than 36. And uh, the other kid who didn't shoot better than 36 was so excited and wanted to try it again next week. That's cool. Yeah. So that was, that was the four and a half year journey of trying to, of us getting to this playing format that is really the center and the cornerstone of our program now. And that's why we went from agro golf programs to operation 36 golf program. We integrated the play into it. And then we've spent the last four and a half, almost five years licensing this program to golf professionals to use uh, to go from, you know, the traditional development programs that they are, or the traditional golf programs to a developmental golf program. And, uh, and then we built technology around it to support it. And sorry, that took so long to get all the way to the point here, but that's 10 years. uh, That's kind of the last 10 years of where we are. And now we got 525 locations around the world that are using operation 36 to develop golfers. So that's, that's kind of the, a long short story <laughs> that's cool i'd like to go back to that first time you decided to have everybody start from 25 yards out and i'm curious to hear what kind of pushback you got from not only the players but also the parents when you came up with this idea you know there was actually very little pushback and the the reason being remember we've already been running we we knew we had to get golfers playing golf so what we did is when we figured that out we went into the march of the next year and we only had 40 golfers in the program then uh, so we draw, we cut in half literally. And we said, Hey, everyone who's left in the program, we're going to run these play dates. We didn't even charge them for them. Um, because we, we ended up getting some comp tea times for our first run at this or pilot at it. We said, you're going to play in this nine hole event, uh, every once a month. And it, we're just going to use the U S kids level one, level two forward T, uh, is the concept to get everybody out on the golf course. And so we got everyone's carry distance and they did all, went off that. And it was just taking us still like three hours to play nine holes. The kids were defeated and the parents were just frustrated. It was just not a good environment. I mean, Ryan and I would kind of like joke over, okay, you're going to go run the nine hole event today, right? Or am I going to have to do it? You know, we it was just wasn't enjoyable as a coach. It wasn't enjoyable as a parent. It wasn't enjoyable as a student. And, uh, you know, with our, you know, we had, a, we had some blinders on at the time to say, look, it's, it was very, it's very clear to us now that, I mean, n- there's a massive gap from someone playing their first round of golf to being able to play uh, golf consistently in a reasonable amount of time and where you feel good about it. It's a, it's a massive gap. And, and we didn't see it at the time. And, and so when we came up with the concept, you know, all the parents have already been drugged through probably like six, nine hole events and we're like forcing them to come. Right. And they're just like, look, this is brutal. Uh, and, <laughs> and so they were, they were pretty excited about trying it as well. And, um, I know it sounds like on the surface, everyone, you know, says, you know, this is ridiculous. Who would go out and play from 25 yards away? Uh, but you know, the, the folks that believe that would, you know, are ones who are probably not complete beginners in their existing golfers, because when you're a complete beginner, the overwhelm is so large and your skills are just not developed to a point of where you're going to feel competent on the golf course and be able to get around in two hours. And that's why we believe every golf facility is avoiding getting beginners on the course. So it's this oxymoron of, well, how are we going to create more golfers and, and increase the pipeline of golfers that are playing if they don't play? 
And and if in we just believe so hard, wholeheartedly now because we watch 40 of those golfers walk away that, uh, you know, driving range, five lessons or continue to come to clinics, but never play. They won't get connected to the game. And at some point they will leave. You know, they, they, they there's no purpose. Right. And you can't we can't keep avoiding getting beginners on the course. So, you know, in three three years from now, you know, we're we're working towards educating every golf facility that if you're running beginner golf programs and it doesn't involve playing golf and it doesn't involve having a scale course, then you're, you're not really running a developmental golf program. You're running a traditional camper clinic. And our belief is camps and clinics will be gone here in the near future. Like not gone for existing golfers. They're phenomenal for existing golfers uh, because you can drop into a camp to a clinic. You already know how to play. Uh, but beginners, uh, it doesn't matter if you're adult or a junior, you need someone to kind of structure and put in the playing component for you that you need them to set up the games for you. Right. Uh, right. Ba- baseball, soccer, every other sport that these kids play in, there is the event at the end. And we in golf, because we have driving ranges and we have putting greens, we just avoid it like the plague to get anyone on the golf course. And that won't, that won't be the standard in the future. I mean, golf courses and facility owners are starting to realize that, you know, we need to be experts at creating golfers that play the game at our course. And it doesn't make much sense that we plan them on the driving range for three years and hope that they played. Right. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it, it is an interesting concept and, and, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but you know, by having these standards, we studied a lot of gamification and progression and curriculum building and development uh, over the, you know, the beginning of the program. Uh, but really having a common model to lean on is what we found. You need to have standards that you set. And by having those and doing that progression, you know, we can actually project where someone is based on their age and their goals and uh, put together a developmental model and a plan for them to show parents where they're at and show kids where they're at in their journey and and based on the student's goals, uh, you really can, uh, you know, keep it fun and motivating every step of the way. Say, and that's what we challenge folks to look at is like, it's not about the one day that they come to a camp or the five days they came to your camp. It's, you know, there's some facilities and pros that believe, man, I want, I want to know what this 10 year journey looks like for this player. Uh, and I want to make sure I'm building the best environment and giving them what they need to be successful for the long term. You know, I'd like to touch on what you were talking about a minute ago about getting people on the golf course. In your opinion, how soon could a beginner get on the golf course and, and play around a golf? Day one. That's my opinion now. It never used to be, but, uh, you know, with the right narrative built around it and the right program to follow, uh, you should be able to get a beginner on the course from day one. And to give you an example, when we, when we uh, did 30 golfers uh, from playing from 25 yards away and they walked, they all walked, no one ran it, rode in a cart. And, uh, we were having the kids have fun conversations in between holes and, uh, you know, they, they actually walked a whole nine holes, which is great for their, their fitness and for everyone's fitness. And, uh, we got around the golf course in an hour and an hour and like 40 minutes. So you could put out anyone behind us and no one was going to catch us either. You know, mostly we were actually pushing play a little bit. We had to slow our groups down a hair. So pace of play wouldn't be an issue, which we think is the number one reason that golf facilities avoid getting beginners on the golf course. But you're not going to get a beginner on the golf course if you just say, hey, just go start 25 yards away and play from there and, and pay us for a full round of golf to go play from there. Right. Right. Uh, that's why you need a program. That's why you need coaching programs. They need to know what they're signing up for. And then once they get comfortable and they get past 25 yards and they move on to 50, 
they move down to 100. If you can get someone to 100 yards and they can break 36 uh, for for nine holes, you know they're they're a really competent golfer. That's probably the most fun part of the program is watching you know the swagger of a golfer be developed. You know of picking the club out and hitting the shot and choosing it and walking it. You know those are those intangible skills that you can't learn on a driving range. And it's fun to watch a player, you know, play in their fourth match and just look like a golfer right away. Why is it so important to have them start so close to the hole? There's really two reasons. It's one, it's pace of play. Uh, You know, their skills aren't there where they are going to play in a reasonable amount of time. You know, unfortunately the way golf is set up, it's 10 minute tee times, maybe if you're lucky. And we're trying to get everyone around the golf course in a reasonable amount of time. Well, if you don't have the skill set to do that, you know, you're, you know, it's easy. It's actually easy kind of to quantify. Like, let's say it took a pro golfer can shoot 36 for nine holes. So they're taking 36 times they're setting up to a golf ball and hitting it. Well, if you double that amount, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that that's going to double the amount of time that it's going to take that person to play golf, not to mention they have to go find it and chase it and do all these other things. And it's just got to be absolutely exhausting for a beginner. So think about that experience, right? So not only does it take twice as long, uh, which is why we all avoid getting people on because it's usually the head pro or the general manager that doesn't want to hear the phone call that, hey, pace of play is slow. Can someone come out here and move this group, right? Um, right. So they avoid it. They don't want to get a beginner on the golf course. So that's when the GM, the leadership and the head pro and the director of golf all say, yeah, any beginner who wants to start has to get like a bunch of lessons first before they go. And that too needs to change, right? Like that doesn't right. make much sense anymore. No. And, and so, yeah, so uh, that would be one reason that it's important to start close is because it solves pace of play. And the other is, you know, there is this huge gap, you know, when nine, I believe there's a, I think it's like 96% of golfers can break a hundred, which is crazy to me. Like those 96% of golfers can break a hundred. That means that, you know, there's a, a small percentage that are over a hundred, but what people aren't talking about is when you first start golf, if I put someone on a full tee box and they kept every single shot, I mean, they're going to shoot like, a, you know, probably somewhere in the 140s or 150s and for sure yeah it, you know if they played 18 holes and i we keep be bopping back and forth between 9 and 18 holes but they're they're going to be absolutely devastated one they're going to be exhausted and they're never actually going to keep their real score cuz it's really hard to count all the strokes after a certain amount of time and that's what you're going to run into so what do you do you get a double par rule so you hit your ball and then you don't even make it to the green and then you're picking up your you're picking up your ball. You're not even finishing the golf hole, right? Um, right. So you're, you're still not experiencing golf. So by just flipping the model and saying, hey, let's let's scale by skill, okay? Uh, let's find a course that suits your skill level where you could actually play golf and have the potential to shoot par that day. And this could go for anybody. I mean, we we just are trying to solve the introduction to golf right now, really at Operation 36. And then the long-term program continues. It just never ends until you can shoot 36 from your full tee box. Right. So that would, that would be, you know, the, the main reasons is, you know, you need a clear structure for someone to get in. It needs to be proven. That needs to be supported. And uh, people need to know that other people in the world are doing this. And that's really where we see, you know, our brand, our program fitting in is helping facilities say, look, this is this is the new normal. (laughs) You know, this is this is how people are being introduced to the game. And when you actually start interviewing beginners, 
they're very, very thankful that we set it up this way and we made this common practice because uh, of all of the embarrassing moments, of all of the anxiety that can build from that environment we've been building before. You know, even in hitting on the driving range in front of people has anxiety stuff going on, you know, for, for a lot of folks. So, yeah, so that would be the important reasons that folks should start close is that pace of play is number one and, and number two. It's giving them a chance or an experience that day to shoot par potentially or have a par or have a birdie. Um, and an example, we just took our graphic designer for Operation 36 out for her first nine holes, and she played 25 yards away. There was three other, myself included, playing from full tee box, and our two program advisors were all golf professionals. And she didn't hold us up at all, because, and she knew exactly what to do. She just opened up the app, GPS, walked to 25 yards away, drop her ball. She's playing from there, and we're playing from our spots. Uh, we never were held up by her. She said multiple times, this is so easy. Uh, you know, this is exactly like I, she ended up shooting, I think like a 44 for her first nine holes. Um, so she shot a respectable score. She feels like she can beat that score. She now knows why she's going to go play or practice at the course. Uh, she knows how to play with her husband. And that was probably the best uh, statement she said. She goes, I now know how to play with my husband at the golf course. Like I've struggled because I've never wanted to do this. And it's not to say you can't take like a full swing or hit a driver off the tee, which is what we recommend after you start pushing play and learn how to play. But, um, you know, just keep score from and, and play a ball from the distance that is respectable to your skill and give yourself a chance to shoot par. I mean, that's that's really what Operation 36 is all about. Yeah, and I think it sets people off in the right direction for golf to have fun, right? Because it's so common where you have, let's just say, a kid and he's 12 years old and he's just started, right? And the parent says, well, okay, well, he's he's a 12-year-old boy, so he should already be playing from the white tees, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes and plays from the white tees with his dad. He comes back and says he shot 155 and he's exhausted, like you said, and doesn't want to play golf anymore. And that's not the direction we want people to head in, is it? No, not at all. And and I think that's that's really what we've studied from day one is like the experience and We've studied technology, we've studied onboarding, we've studied gamification and motivation and human motivation. Like those are the core principles on what we're built on. And you'll see like there's so many little things we built into our platform, into the program. Um, also the simplicity behind it. There's a reason we call it Operation 36. So it's clear to market. Everyone's on the same page. We all know what the end goal is. Um, and we're all kind of a community heading in the same direction. And when you have that, clear picture for them. And they know this is common practice now. It's so much more motivating and you can experience success right away. And that's the, that's the first, probably the first and most common goal for us is just how do we make the best introduction to the game possible? And it's not going to be best practice moving forward that like, let's do five lessons. It should be, hey, let's go play your first nine holes right now. Let's show you how to do that. And golf facility owners love that because now we have someone who might even pay to play around a golf and they don't have to worry about them, you know, playing golf in a reasonable amount of time uh, and, and holding up play. Uh, so you, we just created a customer for the facility as well. It, it's completely backwards, you know, and how you would normally bring someone into the game. But you just need to have a narrative and a program to lean on to do it. And that's that's really where we fit in. Yeah, you, you've basically created not only just a customer, but an immediate customer, right? I mean, they could come out and go on the course with you in lesson one and then have so much fun that the next day they they come back out, they have a couple clubs and they start from 25 yards out and they pay the green fee, right? 
You got it. And, and I think that, you know, golf facilities are starting to recognize this now, you know, we built the whole program for golf pros and coaches, but when we plotted this all out, you know, the other thing I didn't mention is that our facility was coming to us and saying, you know, we've been running the program for three years and they go, how are you actually benefiting our club being here? You're just taking up space on our driving range and you pay a little fee, but are you actually creating golfers that are going to drive business to us? And and so that that also led us to go, geez, the two the, we have two problems here. One being our academy has to show that we're benefiting this golf facility. And two, we know if they don't play golf, you know, they're never going to become a golfer. So we kind of killed two birds with one stone there of going, let's find a way to get these folks on the golf course to play golf. And one, now we're going to retain the golfer. They're happy because they're actually playing the game and everything has a purpose now. And then two, the golf facility also benefits. So it's kind of the the full circle there. That's cool. Can you tell us what the general structure of Operation 36 is? Sure. Uh, so if someone's joining an Operation 36 program, there's really three cores to it. One, you're going to play in nine hole events at a minimum once a month that the facility sets up. And you're going to start, uh, your junior would start 25 yards from the hole. And they're going to start what we call Division One. So uh, once they can beat 36 or better from division one. The next time they play in the nine hole event, they'll play from division two. Uh, And that continues all the way up until they can shoot 36 or better from their full tee box. Uh, And the other component to this is they would also join a weekly coaching program. So they would come to a class once a week for say an hour and that can go on and it varies by facility for eight weeks, 16 weeks, 32 weeks, 52, you know, 54. I mean, it's, it really, uh, it really based on your seasonal location and what your your staff at your facility can run. And uh, and then in that class, you're actually going to progress through a six level curriculum. So the kids are learning uh, some education every day, but they're a majority of the class is made up of just these really fun skill building games uh, with a little bit of education where they can earn a badge if they can progress through their education and show the coach they, they can recall it and, and demonstrate it to them. Um, so it just keeps it, it, it. There's education in the classes. You got progression in the classes with the six level curriculum, little bag tag where they can track their progress from an educational perspective. And then uh, that blends right up with the on course component where they can progress at their own pace uh, on the golf course and go in and play nine holes consistently. And uh, that's really and then all of this tra- progress is tracked in a mobile app uh, to keep players, parents, coaches, everybody on the same page. That's really cool. And one thing I noticed with you guys is one of the skills that you have in your program is work ethic. And that one yes. stood out to me the most. So is that talked about a lot with parents in your program? It is. And it's talked about when we go over the curriculum, right? We already have it built in. So it's one of the one of the 12 skills. And it's just educating folks that, you know, they can't come to a class once a week and expect to become a really good golfer, right? You could do that. It's a bare minimum that they could do, but at some point they have to play and practice on their own. And that's what we want. We want to develop them, get them comfortable enough where they could do that. So uh, we have a certain amount of holes that they need to play outside of their uh, uh, classes. And then a certain amount of practice sessions they need to log in the app. And it, the app tracks how many hours they put into all their skills. 
uh, and kind of gamifies it for them. So they level up their skills as they go. Uh, but what's actually happening when they click into the work ethic curriculum objective, it'll show them how many hours that they need to progress. And it will actually pop up and show them that, hey, you've completed this objective. Uh, and then the same thing with the amount of holes. Hey, you've completed this many holes in your journey. You've earned work ethic. So it's it's work ethic is comprised of how many holes. So we know that they're actually playing on the golf course. And again, it's all tracked and logged in the mobile app. So when they go out and play after they've played their round, they're logging their scores in that. That data comes back to the coach. Uh, but it's it's kind of gamifying and letting them know that, hey, you know, if you want to progress through this curriculum level, you have to get this many holes in out on the golf course and and also uh, it's and also play. Uh, I'm sorry, play this many, play these many holes on the golf course and then also get in some practice sessions and getting this many minutes of practice throughout the uh, the course of this level. Again, this program is a developmental program, right? We want to we don't want to there's clinics that are out there. There's, you know, game based stuff that if they just want to go and, and participate in games and have fun there, that's fine, too. Uh, but at some point, you know, it does become fun to want to progress in the curriculum because, uh, you know, some kids are going to really attract to that and they really want to go through the curriculum. Others just love playing the games in classes. Uh, but it's there for the for those students that want to, like, progress and see their development over time. But it's also letting parents know uh, that, you know, they have to play or practice. And it, it kind of works hand in hand with that, being able to see progression through the on-course development model and shooting 36 on the golf course as well. So it all kind of ties hand in hand together, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how much of a game changer was it for your students, the parents, and you guys as golf coaches when you guys implemented this application that shows their progression through the program? Yeah. I mean, it's been quite a journey to to figure out the tech side of this. Uh, I mean, when we first started, everything was uh, pen and paper. So we would create these booklets and bag tags, and then we'd want to make a, there'd be like a 60 page booklet a student would get uh, that would have some of the objectives they're working on and the education that they need. And, uh, you know, we would make an update and now everyone would have to get the new one. And we were just updating so much that it wasn't really scalable. So that's what led us to go, hey, the, one of the first reasons is we wanted to make sure the education that we were delivering uh, could be scalable. And and to do that, we turned all 72 objectives in the six levels into uh, videos so that once we got that done, we built kind of the application around that first and just knew where we were heading. And then, uh, you know, over the last, we've uh, had the opportunity as we have grown uh, to be able to scale our technology up and invest a lot of our time and energy into building better mobile app for everybody involved. And I feel like we're, you know, it's taken us four years, but we finally have an application that's worth, uh, worth a student using like uh, in the last, in the last year. So, but I would say now it's an absolute game changer. I mean, where you can, you know, have all the core features you need to onboard somebody into the game and then also track their progress throughout. It just is, how can we keep not only get someone in, but also show their development over time. And there's golf pros that want to be able to do that. And those are the ones that are joining our program because they, they want to showcase that folks will forget where they started and you can come back to them a year later and say, look, you've, you know, you lost 14 strokes progressed in two divisions this year. Um, You are, you're a seven year old. You're, if you wanted to, you know, you're right now you're on track to uh, have the opportunity to apply to play college golf if you wanted to if that's in your roadmap and you're talking to a seven-year-old, you know, and, and by having that data and having that reporting and having that tracking, 
it also slows parents down a little bit to say, look, let's pump the brakes. You don't need them to be playing and practicing as much. We want them to be playing multiple sports at this age. It's going to, it's long-term development. This is the 10 year plan, right? And uh, it's not your, uh, it's, it's not your decision. It's the student's decision on what track they want to be on and progress in. But we could never do that if we didn't have the technology. It's just so hard to keep everyone on the same page with pen and paper. Right. And, and that's, yeah. So the tech has helped an absolute ton. I mean, it's, it's been quite an investment and quite, you know, it is continues to be, but it's, this is just a, a, a passion project, right. That we will never stop investing and in making it better. So we're, yeah, it's really helped out a ton. So for a parent who has their kid join your program, what kind of expectations should they have after joining the program? Yeah, I think, you know, in the program, we give a parent guide uh, in the starter kits that they get. And the main thing I would say is don't forget that it's a 10-year program. And that's probably my number one education I could give a parent is to just be absolutely supportive of their student and to remember that it's a 10-year program. because. A lot of folks and parents we have found they're putting their kids into a program to say get a college scholarship. I don't know if you've ever had that, Travis. We're like for they, sure. They, I've had yeah. I've had five year old kids come in that never played golf, and the parents' goal is to get their kid to get a college scholarship at Stanford. Yep, yep, and like that right there is like a key red flag that that no matter what they do for that student, they won't be successful because it's not the kid's goal; it's the parents' goal. And as soon as the parents right portray that goal to the student, uh, that it's their goal to get them a college scholarship. That's an extrinsically like, you you know, you're, you're not taking ownership of that goal. This is my parents' goal. What that ends up doing is putting an immense amount of pressure on the, uh, on the student to perform. And you pretty much wreck the rest of their development. It should be the student's decision to set that goal if they even want to set one to begin with. Uh, and and that's where, like, in our technology, yeah, we can project where a student is uh, in their development. However, we don't tell the student or even share those details, and we train the coaches not to until they per- they maybe want to set a track goal uh, at the, like, 9, 10, 11-year-old range. And it's, it's really helped us set parents at ease to say, look, don't forget, this is a 10-year journey. Uh, uh, there's all this research around, I'm sure you've seen it, that these kids that are playing in, uh, you know, national tournaments at the age of, uh, at the age of six, seven, eight, and they're winning these tournaments, uh, typically aren't the ones that actually go on to be college players, uh, or to be the best in the world. They fall off early because they're burnout. They didn't play a bunch of, they didn't play a bunch of sports growing up. They played one sport. They peak early. Uh, they're burnout. Uh, the parents have invested tons of time and energy and money. So the parents want to keep it going, but the kid doesn't. And it just turns into uh, a real negative experience all around where there's usually just a blow up at some point and the kid doesn't want to play golf anymore. And the parents are upset. The kid's upset. And uh, where, you know, how do you flip that mold? The, the mold would be, hey, let's just get them to the class. Let's get them having fun with some friends. Let's get them on the golf course playing and starting to fall in love with playing the game. Uh, let's not talk about any performance goals. Uh, let's not talk about uh, anything like that. Let's just get them on the course playing. And and then from there, as they develop, they're going to know what the plan is. Uh, okay, we're going to back you up to here. If you get a little too good from Division One, we're going to back you up to here and you have your new course that you get to play. And that's what a coach's job is, is shape this narrative to make it very inviting and welcoming to create 
a 10 year journey, but you have to, the coach also coach and the parent have to have a 10 year uh, mindset, right? They all have to be like, Oh, this is okay. Because we have 10 years. Let's not forget about that. We have 15 years. Like we, you just have to wrap your head around that concept. And when you do, it starts to set you at ease that, Oh, my kid can't chip today. The world is over. No. I mean, this is all part of development. Like the, uh, they're going to learn and develop this over time. And, but you got to play and you got to love to come to the golf course, hit some balls, get the reps in. And if we can keep that energy fun, but also show them that they're progressing over time and be able to track that development, it's kind of the, uh, the complete environment you're looking for. So when have you guys learned in your program, when is the best time to discuss these expectations with parents? You know, we, we like to say, honestly, after like the first three or four rounds of golf, because if we don't do a good job shaping the narrative on the front end, and then it kind of will cascade down the road. Cause it, you know, we, we have this fine line that we walk with op 36 with juniors where, you know, we don't want you to start actually keeping and tracking score until the age of seven. So from three to six is all about development and having fun at the course. And even if they're playing on the course, they can play from close, you know, the op 36 yards, but we don't require them to keep score. So we don't want to focus on performance. They just want to be intrinsically motivated to go out and play. And then from seven up, we say, okay, this is where some goal setting comes into play. At some point, you have to say, hey, we, to back up, when you shoot 36, we're going to back you up, but we want to teach you how to set some goals from here. Uh, and and then the player, it's up to the player on how they're going to handle that. And usually you have the parent that comes in and says, gosh, they've been at 25 yards for 10 attempts, or they've done it for 15. Um, and they start to put some pressure on the player. Uh, where it should be the complete opposite when you shape a narrative around it. And like every time I sent my students out at, at all the academies that I've run, it's, Hey, you're, you're going to go out and play your yardage today. We get to, you, you have an opportunity to play nine holes and test out the skills you've been working on all week. If some of you end up shooting some great rounds out there, we're, we're, you're going to pass your division. We're going to back you up. Uh, but it, if not, remember, everyone's just playing the, the appropriate golf course that fits their skill kit, their skill set at this point in time. And uh, just keep playing, just keep practicing. And over time, you're going to unlock different parts of the course. And it's going to be a lot of fun as you progress in your journey. So it's it's not about shooting 36 and hounding that down their throat, but it's very easy for a parent to want to do that. It's very easy for a student to get wrapped up in that. But those are things that you know, if you're coaching early, I think you would agree that's a skill set in itself, right? To to kind of have a goal set, let's say it's shooting 36 on a golf course and intrinsically knowing that goal is set and then dealing and working with your process to work towards that goal, but stay focused on the moment and the process to accomplish that goal, right? To stay right. focused on classes. And, and that's a skill in itself. And that's what we're starting to you know, it's a bit of intangible or we can't measure it. Uh, but again, it all comes back to the environment you're building at your club. But we'd like to have that conversation early because it starts to set parents up when you say, look, they're three years ahead of playing college golf right now. Everything's fine. You know, take a take a break, go play multiple sports. Um, and when you can show families that they're more apt to be OK to do that. Right. They're yeah, for they're sure. Cool. They're cool with, okay, geez, we are ahead. We, man, we should be playing multiple sports. This makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. If we play multiple sports, they're going to be more athletes. You know, it's going to set them up for success. They're going to be more well-rounded athletes. And then if he does want to play college golf, he's going to have that athletic foundation too to, to be able to carry that to an even higher level. I mean, we're, we're looking at all the athletes on TV right now 
they are all athletes. There's no, no doubt about it. And uh, so they're going to have to have that athletic foundation. And if they're just playing golf from day one and not getting that in, it's not going to be a, a very healthy situation in the future. But the challenge is it's always, we're talking three years down the road, four years down the road. So uh, it's so hard to talk in terms of like today and tomorrow if you don't have a long-term plan in place. It's very clear that Operation 36 has really clear goals. So you move back from 25 yards to 50 yards now and you have to shoot 36 from that yardage. You also have some skills that you have to show that you can use and play on the golf course, right? Now, if you're a parent and and the parent needs to help their kid achieve these goals, whether it's in Operation 36 or just any goals that they have set, whether they're short-term or long-term, what's the what's the best thing a parent can do to help their kid achieve the goals that they set? Yeah. I mean, I really think the number one thing they can do is one, find good coaching, right? So lean on the coach for any technical or anything about the golf swing. Uh, Ryan, my co-founder and business partner, Ryan, we're coaching every day too. The number one thing, if, if they say anything about their golf swing or ask you about it, say, I don't know, ask your coach. <laughs> it's <laughs> It starts to set up, my role is to take you to the golf course and support you, love you, encourage you, sit on the sidelines. If you want me to caddy for you, I'm going to encourage you. But now you start to set what a lot of parents like to do is take that other step of set becoming the coach as well. And I highly don't recommend that. You know, you're there to support them and work hand in hand with a coach. Uh, but there's a lot of folks that, you know, I'll see on the driving range with their kid trying to do it. The kid's getting frustrated. The parent has no clue what they're talking about. And that's why the kid's probably not hitting it great. Uh, they're, you know, it actually can take a little bit of relief off the parent to know my job is to get you to the facility and provide you with this environment and pay for you to, to participate in this environment that I have researched and developed and know that this is a great environment for you and the environment's going to take care of you. Right. Right. Uh, and I'm just going to support you there and I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to tell you, I love watching you play. I'm going to tell you, man, I, I love watching you practice. If you have questions on golf, let's talk to your coach. Uh, because then you have this clear delineation between what is what is the in golf because the the junior is going to start to assimilate this in golf what is the role of the parent what is the role of the coach what is the what is my role in this what is the role of my friends in this and if you can get the you know the parent to refer the coach anything that the coach should be doing just like in a business relationship right like uh, you would never take someone that can do graphic design. And then you have someone who does accounting uh, and they say, hey, we need someone to we need someone to do the budget this year. Uh, it doesn't make much sense to give it to the graphic designer. That's clearly going to go to the accountant. Right. Right. Uh, what parents like to do is they like to be the graphic designer and say, you know, what? I think I can do that a little bit. And they want to be involved there. <laughs> right. And how, how well does that go down? It doesn't go down great. I mean, I can watch it. I mean, it's hard to watch, you know. I don't know how many times I will go and work on my game on the driving range and to watch a parent trying to be involved and support, you know, support their junior. They're trying all they can, but how do you actually, how do you tell a parent, you know, maybe that's not the best approach, which you don't even know someone, you haven't developed a relationship with them. And I think that's where it really comes down to having a program to lean on that's kind of solved or is solving a lot of these for you, right? Like, and our parent guide, it says, these are the rules you follow. Be encouraging. You know, if you're caddying for them, you're there to carry their clubs and encourage them. That's it. You're not there to give them advice and uh, let them go out there. And, uh, you know, you can give them advice if they ask for it on a basic level. But 
really tell them, hey, this is going to be a great this is going to be a great question for your coach. Uh, can't wait to ask him. I'll write it down and we'll ask him together. And now we'll both know. Um, and it starts to have this clear delineation of of who am I on the team? You know, if you looked at it, a team built around the golfer, the parent now knows where they are and the kid knows, too. And then the, you, what will end up happening is the kid will start sharing some frustrating situations with them. And I didn't feel good today. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've seen the, be, the some of the best coaches are just moms. Oh, honey, I'm sorry to hear that. You looked really good out there. I know you had a rough day, but man, I really love watching you play. How is that? How is that kid going to feel? I feel great. You know, and now the mom knows her role is like, when I'm down, you're there to bring me up and I know I can lean on you. And it, man, I don't know what to do. I feel lost, mom. I'm not sure. Let's talk to your coach. Uh, you weren't chipping really well today. That's what you said, right? Yeah, I wasn't chipping really well. Well, let's, let's ask your coach. The analogy that you gave, right, of the accountant and the graphics designer really makes it clear that having everyone's roles and sticking to your role is so important in the development of a, of a child, right? And as soon as you start to cross your role, meaning you go from parent to now trying to be parent and coach, there's going to be some difficulties, isn't there? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's always, to me, it's always been the best relationships have and coaching relationships that we've had are just parents that will literally just drop their kid off and leave. And then when they come back, they ask what happened, you know, what, how can I support you? And they kind of do that with the kid when they go and play too. It's very, very interesting. It's because the, the junior is taking ownership of their golf game, right? Right. And the, the earlier that you can do that, the more powerful it's going to be. Um, if they want you there, they'll tell you how they want to be involved. Uh, but it's up, it's really up to the parent to say, that's not my role. That's your coach's role. The coach can try to support that. But what, as soon as the parent oversteps and tries to be the coach, uh, that's when things usually get off track a little bit. Um, and then because now the coach is managing a lot of different players, right? Unless they're doing this in a private setting. Uh, so to come back and sit down with a parent, that's part of coaching, right? Um, right. But really, you should it literally should be, though, that a parent could drop a kid off. They play golf, they practice and, and they go to their class and then the parent picks them up. And then if they are playing golf and they need someone to caddy for them, uh, that the parent could do that and be encouraging and go around and they can participate together. Maybe the parent wants to actually learn how to play golf because maybe they don't play golf at that time. Um, so now they can both go play a sport together. Yeah, that's it's it's just you I think you nailed it. It's just clearly defining those roles and knowing how to move forward with them is so important. And even when they go on the golf course, and let's say there's a parent playing around a golf with their child, you still have separate roles, right? So the kid's playing his round of golf and he's trying to play to his best ability and the parents playing their round of golf and they're trying to play to their best ability, right? And they're both technically players on the field. I think it's it's very important what you said is you know, having the rules very clear. And if the rules are clear, everybody's going to be happy. And there's going to be a good chance. There's going to be a lot of success coming out of that kid. Absolutely. It's all about taking, you know, at the end of the day, you can, a parent could ask themselves, am, am I instilling the ownership on, like, am I taking ownership of their golf game or is my junior taking ownership of the golf game? And the easiest way to know that is to just say, you know, if I dropped them off at the golf facility and I didn't give them, if I didn't tell them any advice about golf for a month, uh, are they going to be okay? And you'd be really surprised, even if you're one of those parents who are is very involved right now and wants to maybe they know they can see and they know what we're talking about is like, oh my God, I'm that parent. And I can see what they're talking about. I know what they're talking about. Probably the best thing you could do is just start stepping away a little bit. 
hey, but I'm going to drop you off to play. Um, have fun. And they're like, wait, you're not going to come and tell me what to do? No, you got this. You take ownership of your game. You got this. And they're going to go, oh my gosh, you know, I feel a little freedom here. This is great. And you're going to see they're going to start getting intrinsically motivated. They're not coming out. They might not even tell you that the whole reason they're coming out is because you've been forcing them to. But they would, if you actually like let them go do some of their stuff on their own, maybe they'd come out and do it on their own anyway. Uh, so that would be my advice to a parent who knows they're that parent right now. And they already have maybe a golfer who's getting in. And everybody who doesn't, rely on your coaches. Rely on the coaching staff. You don't need to be as involved as you think. And then the, the coach will tell you how to get involved. So how do we keep kids interested in golf? I think there's a macro perspective and a micro perspective. That's what we look at in Op36. So we believe that you know traditional programs really look at the micro perspective quite well, uh, which to me is like the day-to-day. So if you look at the experience of the player from getting into the game, it has to be amazing from day one. And then to keep them in, you have to have a long-term plan. And then every day needs to keep that experience level up. There needs to be something they're looking forward to. There has to be a little bit of variance to keep them engaged. And classes have to be engaging and lessons have to be engaging. Uh, They have to see development over time. Uh, They got to know where they're heading. All of those things play into keeping a golfer into the game. That's why we, you know, in the classes, why did we develop a six level curriculum where they have to accomplish some goals in the classes, right? Why did we come up with, you know, over 80 games and drills that you can do in classes that are, you know, all gamified and can keep a golfer hitting three footers for an hour and feel like they're having a ton of fun, right? It's because you have to, from the day to day, make it fun for them. And then they also need to know where they're heading. They need to know they have a purpose. They need to know the direction they're going. Those two together is what will keep a junior to me involved in golf. It can't be, it can't be, okay, show up to a clinic or camp, have fun in the camp, and then they don't see us again forever. Like, that's never going to, okay, I had a lot of fun throwing water balloons and doing this and doing this. Like, it's not going to create a golfer. Like, we actually have to get back to, like, everyone says if we keep it fun, they'll stay in. Well, Ryan and I kept our program really fun. The classes were amazing for three years to watch 40 of them walk away, right? So right, what were we missing? Yeah, like, it, we did we did the most, you know, we had a curriculum. We had the fun games. We toss footballs when they came down. We threw baseballs. We did all the athlete development stuff. We gamified every class. We ga- we would plan for two hours before the class to come up with a better game for them to play. Uh, we would, you know, it just kept rolling into this. We had to keep coming up with things to make it fun, where at the end of the day, we weren't creating golfers. So when everyone says, hey, the number one things you can do is make it fun. Yeah, I, I agree to a certain point. Like, you know, everyone thinks fun is ice cream and clowns on a driving range is fun. That's what the perception of fun is. But at the end of the day, you know, fun is also seeing development, seeing accomplishment, knowing you're progressing, knowing where you're heading. Just imagine if school systems didn't have grades and there was no graduation at the end. Like, why would you even go to school? Would the kids be motivated to even learn? Probably not. <laughs> no. You know, and and so that's what you need to have. Like every other sports program has it, but golf is just so far behind. And that's what we're trying to get them to catch up because you got to have a micro plan. You got to have a macro plan when you're building programming. Um, if you're trying to create a golfer, we all know, unfortunately, golf isn't, you know, I, I don't like to use cooking for an example, because I think it takes a long time to become a cook. But could you teach someone to cook within a class and they actually feel pretty good about it? Could they see success pretty 
you know, in five classes. Yeah, probably they could. Golf isn't like that, unfortunately. So you have to get them comfortable enough to play on the golf course fast and comfortable enough to know how to improve and comfortable enough to know here's where I am, here's where I'm going. And that's where we think a good program can do that. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish with Operation 36. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's great. Now that you look back over the last 10 years of what you guys have been doing at Operation 36, how do you feel about what you've done for introducing golfers into the game of golf? I feel blessed to have found something. Somehow I found something that I love working on and uh, somehow can make make a little bit of money to keep doing it <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. uh, I think that's what we all strive for. Um, and especially being an entrepreneur and kind of doing it is like we we really struggled in the beginning to get off the ground. And now that we're here, you know, the team will tell you, Ryan, myself, the whole team, we don't stop working on this, you know, because it isn't a job. It's God, we got to, we, I think you, you probably know that we, we set a goal to introduce a million new golfers to the game and get them to shoot 36 or better from 25 yards away by 2025. Um, And that goal was set last year or or late early this year, late last year when we made the announcement. And um, yeah. And so now that, that drives us every day. I mean, we don't stop working. Uh, we have our family time, but if, if you say, Matt, well, what, what do you do every day and what do you want to, uh, continue to work on? Like, I love working on op 36. It's my passion and, and it's our team's passion. Like sometimes I have to tell our team, Hey, it's nine o'clock at night, get off of Slack and stop working on, you know, stop working on the tech or stop working on this, you know, we'll get to it tomorrow, but we all know where we're heading and what we're trying to accomplish in the industry. And, uh, so we're just for us, like we're just getting started. We have four, we have four years left, four and a half years left to accomplish this goal. And we have some pretty neat plans in place to continue to help facilities, introduce folks to the game, uh, and, and tackle that goal. So, um, yeah, we're, we're super proud of what we've done. And, uh, I feel very fortunate to, to be able to work on a project that doesn't feel like work. And I've done it for the last 10 years. And, Luckily, uh, to have a, a amazing business partner with Ryan and a great team uh, that every day is just there's so much problem solving to be done on running a learning to run a business and just trying to accomplish this goal and couldn't be more excited for the game of golf though really can so that's great. I think you guys have done one of the best things for the game of golf for introducing people into the game. And the program that you have is is so clear as far as the progress and the goals and allows the players to learn how to score low and build their confidence and have fun out there. I think it's just absolutely amazing. For the parents out there listening, could you share just any final words of inspiration for them for raising golfers? I would say words of inspiration is take a step back and think of the big picture. Is at the end of the day, really probably what you want is a sport that you're playing with your junior when you retire and you and your junior are able to play together for the rest of your life and have something that you can connect on that isn't sitting and watching TV or going to a restaurant. It's being outdoors. It's being engaging. That's probably what you want. That's what I, when I actually get down to the bottom of it with a lot of parents, that's really what they want. You know, remember that you have so much time and even though golf takes time to, uh, to really put a game together rely on your coaching staff, rely on your program, put trust in a long-term development program that it's going to do what you want to do for your kid. And if you ever feel like you're overstepping or don't know what your role is, ask the coach and they will be happy to help you there. Uh, But if you just can give them the environment, and I I purely look at this in any other sport like gymnastics, karate, even myself, when I'm looking at this with my 
my role is to give them to pay for that class, to put them in, to put her in that environment and let the coaches do the work. So that way the big picture is she has a better athlete development. She's going to be a more rounded individual because she's getting the social interaction. She's finding something she loves. She's learning to set goals on her own. And my job is to just help support, love, and encourage. So just think long-term. Don't think about the today. Remember, more than likely what you want is that so to be able to play golf with your family as you get older um, and play it for the rest of your life. And golf is one of those sports that you can do it. So that would be my, my last words of encouragement there. Oh, I think that was absolutely amazing. I mean, the stories that you've shared about starting Operation 36, what you guys are doing with the programs, and everything you shared about how a parent should be a parent in their role and how they can help their child and raise them as a golfer into some type of champion. Now, that champion doesn't have to be the best golfer in the world, but it can be, you know, turning them into good people, right? And we know that golf does so much more for people than just the sport. And everything that you said today, I think is just so useful and so helpful for parents. And it's something they they absolutely need to hear. And I hope that parents take action immediately on some of these things that you had shared with us today. So thanks so much, Matt, for, for coming on here today and sharing so much knowledge for us. You bet. I really appreciate you having me, Travis. And there you have it. Such an informative chat I had there with Matt Reagan for Operation 36. I think my biggest takeaway from the conversation was the importance of creating golfers from the hole back to the tee and developing skills that the player uses on the course. And having that connection is so important for the development of the, of the player. I think parents also have to understand the expectations of the progression of a golfer and that it's a long journey. Like Matt said, they like to talk about a 10-year journey, not just a matter of days or months. And having that mindset as a parent, I think will really help you assist your junior golfer and allow them to develop to their full potential. It's also very important for parents to understand their role as a parent. And that conversation we had with Matt about how he gave us the analogy of his accountant and his graphics designer and how they each have their own roles and their own skills and that those roles shouldn't cross And I think for a parent, it's very important yet difficult for you to understand that your role of a parent is to be a parent and to be loving and caring and supportive for your junior golfer. And at times I know it's difficult that you want to also step in and be the coach. But like Matt said, I think the first thing you should ask is if a player is having some difficulty with technique or having some difficult with the results in the course, I think the first person you should ask is the coach and get the coach's opinion. Uh, before you as a parent step in and start to give your opinion as a coach. So know your role. And I challenge you as a parent over the next two weeks to really try to focus on your role as a parent. And what I mean by that is just step back and enjoy the time watching your junior golfer play golf or practice or have fun with them at home. Keep the coaching to the coach and let your role as a parent thrive. And I think you'll find that your relationship with your junior golfer will also begin to grow and the development of your player will also begin to thrive. So take on this challenge and I look forward to hearing your feedback after hearing this episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents coaches and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.